I might tell you a little bit about that over the next few minutes. But um, just, if you look out here, the, the view's changed, hasn't it? Now, that's had a profound impact upon me. It, it was actually, it was Wednesday before last that the, the, the hoarding started to come down. And you now get a feeling, actually, oh my goodness, there, there really are going to be people there. Sure, it's, it's, beforehand it was just an idea, it was a building site, but actually, and I've seen that some workers going in and out of the, the front doors, and you just think, actually, those people are literally on our doorstep. And it's all going on. You see the houses out there, I think there's, there's been some folks coming from other parts of the, the garden city as it develops in Gravesend. And this is, this is the reason we're doing what we're doing, is, is that, you know, either we shut our doors and say, right, we're, we're full, or we work out how we reach the people around us, because we're on a mission. And uh, I couldn't stand the thought of closing our doors and not letting people come and experience God amongst us. So that's why we, we've got to go to a second morning meeting. And, uh, and the biggest pinch point for actually creating our second morning meeting, which we'll start on the first Sunday in September, is actually making sure we've got enough people engaged with our children to make sure they have great fun that they get to know God and that they, uh, they can be well socially adjusted. Those three things I think are really important. And so that you give them a context where they can, they can grow up. And, and uh, what I know is that we need 51 more people to join in the fun. I think I sound about 42 or something. I think it's about 42. So, um, and I think, well, why not? I think last, last week you had David, my son, standing up here saying, why not? Well, why not? What better have you got to do on a Sunday morning to make sure that kids actually grow up knowing, loving, and encountering the living God? And uh, so I'd commend it to you. Uh, um, so we've got to, got to get past Kim and my daughter-in-law, Joe, on the way out today. They'll be sitting <laughs> at, the ta- at the tables. Sorry. Yeah. So um, and uh, so we'd like. It, and if you just even register an interest, but we really do need this to work because we've, what we want to do is we've got to train people. Um, and what we're asking for is, is that you join a team that will actually, once every four weeks, um, deliver fun for the kids. Think you can do that? This, this is it. You don't have to be a teacher. You haven't got to be if you're on fire for God. We love children, ready to have fun. You're in. You're qualified. And um, but also, as I say, sometimes in, in Christian life we do things, you know, it's out of vision and passion and, and individual stuff. What you're calling is. But sometimes you have just because just we're part of a family and we've got responsibility. And this is, this is a responsibility, folks, and I'm going to ask you to actually push on for it. We've got this far, and I think, how many children do we have on here on a Sunday? Hundred under 11s and 50-odd kids. So there's about 150 children at this moment having fun downstairs. Whoops. What an, what an opportunity to invest in the lives of... of Future world changers, leaders, I believe they are changing lives right now. So, I've been, I've been away a bit. Um, so, last three weeks, I was down in Poole on the south coast doing a healing conference where we had a great time. So, I've got to do loads of things and great breakthrough in that, that, that environment. Then, the weekend after that, I was up in north. I was in Inverness. I worked out that's the furthest, fur, furthest north in the world I've ever been, which is a, a shock. So, and... Um, went to actually work with a church which Tim's mum and dad were actually sort of uh, trying to help lead through a transition and um, I love it 
when you just see God turn up and do the stuff that he alone can do. We sung a song about it today. Because we can turn up and we can be nice and we can be friendly and we can pray for people, we can do stuff. But unless God turns up, it doesn't really work very well. That's my, my conclusion. Is, is you know, they, they didn't just need some friendly faces to come along and sort of be a bit supporting, encouraging. They needed, they needed God to break in. And by golly, did he. Um, and it was phenomenal just watching over the course of a weekend how <clears throat> this whole church lined itself up behind God's activity. And probably the, um, there were so many stories coming out of that, but there was two. There was a guy we pray for on the streets of Inverness who I think is pretty much a, a regular feature. You know, they're asking for money. Um, and um, I'm not quite sure what happened, but his wrists were... were always painful and he couldn't use his hands very well so he's struggling to do various tasks of life and work and um, our teams met him, prayed for, <coughs> prayed for him on the Friday and uh, and his pain just disappeared there and then and, and he was so so impressed he, and it, he said, ah, is it going to stay away? Is my pain going to stay away? Can you come and check up on me later? Which they did and they came and checked up on him later and his pain was still gone the next day he's out on the streets again I think, he's, I, say, I think he's there every day. And, uh, and he's obviously a feature, and he's telling everybody who's going by that the, heal, the faith healers were out yesterday. <laughs> and I don't mind being called a faith healer, because that's how it works. <laughs> faith in the name of Jesus works well. And, and he was telling everybody that he didn't have any wrist pain anymore. So he, he, he's telling Inverness that God's arrived. <laughs> not, this, is not, this is not the church getting out there telling the Inverness that God's arrived. This, this, is, this is the guy who sits there every day asking for money, now telling them some really, really good news, which is that, that something's happened and my wrists don't hurt anymore. And there was a guy in, in the church, um, his name's Tom, and he had, uh, had advanced cancer, um, which has spread lots of places in his body, including in his liver. And so his liver was enlarged and pressing on various structures and always in pain. Needed a stick to walk, was getting increasingly weak and frail, looked extremely grey. And um, so on the Friday evening I was, I was speaking at the meeting and I prayed for him. And um, I sat him down on the chair because I thought, I don't really want you falling over in your state. So I sat him on the chair and said, sit there and I'll pray for you. So I prayed for him <laughs> and the power of God hit him. He said it was like lightning hit him. And he slumped out just on the floor. I gently sort of laid him out. I think the whole church was wondering what had just happened to him because he's pretty ill, this guy. So a bit of concern. So I think he's all right. It's God. It's God. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they had an encounter. His wife had an encounter with God. Then the next morning he woke up and said, uh, my pain's gone. And... and <clears throat> And his complexion got, I saw, saw him that evening, we prayed for him. Again, he came to an evening where we did encounter and prophetic appointments. And uh, his whole complexion was changed. He was, now pink, he was telling everybody what was going on. Pain completely gone. We prayed for him. And as we prayed for him, he got completely covered. All his clothes were covered in gold glittery stuff. And he had encounter gone. Now, I saw that. You see, I can't make that happen. Can't do that. I can't make his pain go away. <coughs> Falling on from that, he had a medical appointment, I think, that following week. And um, when he walked into the room, I'm not sure whether it was a physio or a doctor, said, what has happened to you? You look so different because his complexion's back. He no longer needs a stick to walk around. He's worked, and he's so well that he just got booked a last-minute deal. They'd gone on holiday to Greece <laughs> for, I think, for th- three weeks. 
It's amazing what happens when God turns up, isn't it? You're like an And then last Sunday I was up in King's Arms in Bedford. Now, Al, you've got a story. You texted me something yesterday. I think this is worth hearing. Are you ready to tell me this one from yesterday? I think so, unless you've got another one that beats it. <laughs> I know you've got several. We'll, we'll stick to one, okay? Cause, we'll cause stick to this one. I don't, so, it's always dangerous giving you the mic, but I've got a mic as well. You have to. So yesterday... We'll have a competition with the mic. I'll beat him because I've got a big voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. <laughs> so, um, it's my tactic. <laughs> so yeah, yesterday uh, morning we were in the healing centre... And uh, a guy arrived who's a taxi driver and uh, came up for healing, got a problem with his shoulder. And it turns out, as the people uh, were talking to him, that uh, the reason he knew about this place was he picked somebody up uh, at the uh, Premier Inn a few weeks ago to come to a conference. And on the drive up, he'd asked the lady where she was going, what they were doing. Uh, As a result of all of which, uh, this lady prayed for this guy's back. Uh, which got immediately healed. It uh, turns out he's a, I think he's a Sikh or something of that nature. Uh, so he went back to his family and said, you know, look what happened to me. So um, he then came up, I think he brought his wife with him as well, came up um, and got healed from his shoulder. And as he left us uh, yesterday, he said, I'll be back. Not good. <laughs> Isn't that good? So somebody comes to I think they're staying in the Premier Inn for a conference here. Taxi driver picks him up, brings to his gate. He, get, he gets healed en route. <laughs> then finds out, then wants to come to the healing centre here. I think he's, he's from the Sikh community. And uh, again, just think how that's going to be reverberating around. See, God's turning up. And wherever I go, I see that this is what he's, he's doing things. Just, just story after story after story after story. You know, just some remarkable, remarkable things. And, um, and we live in, we live in very, very exciting days. Um, so, uh, I like the story of, actually, have you heard the story from Kindle? Have they had the story from Kindle? Lady with six kids. Have you had that one? No, I better read that. I better read that one out. Just because this is a doozy. It's worth it, okay. This is definitely worthwhile. So this is one of our mission teams was in Kendall two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So the mother of six young children in her mid-thirties suffered a compression of the spinal cord six years ago. Six discs were removed and surgeons fused the lower back. She's had no sensation to her left leg and has been unable to walk unaided due to weakness, numbness and foot drop as a result of nerve damage and muscle wasting. Due to the constant pain, she's been on high-strength medication, including oral morphine. She responded in faith. Now, this was in a family meeting in uh, this church. It's an Anglican church in Kendall. But that's what actually steps up there this weekend, doing some stuff with them. So, um, She responded in faith by raising her hand for prayer after listening to the stories of healings and miracles that we have seen recently. And she met with the love and power of Jesus. As sensation and strength was being restored to her leg, the woman was tearful and lost for words. She then had the courage to stand up and take steps unaided by her crutch for the first time in six years. Her older children, smiling and crying, watched their mother gaining more and more confidence with each step. 
A short while later, she was able to pick up and hold her two-year-old son in her arms for the first time without help, pain or fear of falling. We celebrated and continued to encourage her and her children, recognizing that we were seeing God do far more than heal a body. We were watching hope, destiny and the ability to dream for all of them being restored. Uh, Late that day, we received a message from this lady, and she's given us permission for it to be shared. She said, I really am doing amazing. I came home and cut my grass for the first time in six years. It might be a boring job for most, but I've dreamed of being able to get back in my garden with my kids for years. Words cannot describe how much this means to me, even more so to my kids. Isn't that amazing? So, (coughs) this is what... This is what happens when God turns up. And this is our, our great privilege is to, to build an environment where, where God is present and he'll do what he alone can do. And more and more people can experience that. And we have the privilege at Eastgate of, of, of serving lots of other churches and, and other places. And had a great web, webinar training this week with 23 other churches from Living Far and our worship leaders, Laura and Claire, did such a phenomenal job on that. But... And uh, as I say, I've been away a lot, but I, I, there's nothing, there's no place like home. So I've definitely, you know, I've loved being here on Sunday evenings. They're, they're great. Um, I've missed you on Sunday mornings. I like doing the both, and it's fun. So, and just recognizing what God is doing here, even, even in the last few weeks, I think, my goodness, it, it just is getting stronger and stronger, isn't it? Um, and uh, so I've been thinking back of, of, of how, how do you build something like this? And just look, I say looking back 30 years and then we've got 40 years stretching forward. So that's the best part of 70 years. That's quite a long time, isn't it really? So I'm thinking, because we're building something for generations, not just as a sort of a little flash in the pan. And, you know, I'm looking out the window over there right now. I'm just thinking, right, in less than 18 months time, there'll be a school there and we'll be welcoming children into that school for the first time. 60 new families actually engaging with Eastgate directly as we you know, help to provide a free school and then hopefully welcome them into to this environment. And these are phenomenal days. We, we, the challenges that we have are, are, are of abundance, not of lack. We don't have any lack of opportunity. Um, and uh, as I was thinking, thinking about all this, I was just thinking, okay, God, what, what, what do you want me to sort of say this, this particular Sunday? Uh, I thought it took me back to the book of, of Nehemiah, so I've read, read through the book of Nehemiah. Now, many of you will be familiar with it, and uh, we might find it. I want to get Nehemiah up, ready, Dave. But um, Nehemiah is, is, is uh, a book towards the end of, of, of Old Testament history, um, and it's after the, the Israelites have been put in exile, and um, in, which date was it? There's a king called Cyrus, who was the king of um, Assyria. That, I think it was Assyria at that stage, between 559 and 530 BC, and he made a declaration about uh, the Israelites and who wanted to going back to Jerusalem to build a temple for God, which which they did. It took it took quite a while. There was various you know sort of um, battles and delays and, and all sorts of stuff going on, but eventually they managed to build uh, the temple. Um, but it was actually it was interesting. Um, it, was, it was not until 60 years after the temple was completed, roughly 60 years, that Ezra went back and actually dedicated it. And, and actually, there was a so there was, there was this is a story with a lot of delays in. Um, 
And so they got the temple up and running, and they, they managed to, to, you know, Ezra goes back to complete it. And then, then news comes to Nehemiah, and this is probably around about the time 446 BC. So this is about 100 years after the, the start of this, this thing. That although there was a temple there, that the city was actually in ruins, and the, there were no city walls, it was just open, that the enemies could get in, that there was no cohesion. Um, and uh, obviously a big challenge, and, and if you read the story, it says Nehemiah is, is moved. He's, he's moved by the, the story of, of a, a, a job not yet completed, an incomplete work, um, and that the people of God were basically not fulfilling all that, that God had put in front of them because they'd allowed themselves to become browbeaten, basically, by enemies. And, and, um, and uh, if you see in Ezra, the, the enemies... that, that Tactics are, there's four specifically. There's fear, discouragement, um, frustration, and accusation. Now, those are four common weapons that the devil will use against you. So, just put those down. But, and those are ones that we, we have to be aware of and we combat, um, and particularly here in, in Eastgate. So, I'm, I and we as leaders, and you broadly speaking, you know, we try to cre- create an environment that's free of fear, free of accusation, free of frustration. Not, can't always go into that. <laughs> and free of discouragement. So, we, so what do you do? You, you build an encouragement, encouraging count environment. That's why good news is so important. Perfect love casts out all fear. We believe in grace and no judgment. And we believe in, in helping you reach fulfillment. So those are the four. You know, that's why dreams and stuff. Those, those four things are key. They're not just nice ideas. They're actually spiritual entities that, that actually fight off. The, a lot of the, uh, the, the enemy attacks. So, so hopefully those are four things that you, you uh, experience here at Eastgate and appreciate, and, but also need to protect those in your own lives. So, so Nehemiah uh, is very brave, he, and he, he basically puts his own life on the line by asking the king, these seven, because he was a cupbearer, and he's still in exile, so he's not living in the, in, in the difficult situation, which is quite interesting. He actually probably lived with, with a relative degree of, of um, well, security, uh, luxury, favour. Do you know what I mean? He, he actually was one of the king's uh, favoured servants. I guess if you're the cupbearer and somebody wants to poison the king, um, it wasn't quite so secure, but it was a bit... Uh, um, but that was his job, to make sure that the king did, didn't get poisoned. So he, he was somebody in a very trusted position. Um, and, um, but he, he dares to ask for an audience with the king. And he basically says, King, I want you to uh, send me back to Jerusalem because I want to, I want to complete the work that, that, that hasn't been completed yet. So he, he goes back and he assesses what's going on and he looks at the... And basically the, the issue is actually that the city walls are, are all broken down. Um, and he has a look around... Um, and then they, it says this. So we've got Nehemiah th- chapter 3, verse 31 and 32. Basically what happens is he manages to galvanize everybody together and, and they all start working on, on uh, rebuilding the city walls. And what happens is that the, each sort of group of people are given an area of, of, of the wall to build. They take responsibility for a specific area of the wall. Um, so you've know, got the Levites doing it, you've got those families are doing it, and it says this, it says, so in this context, so they're all standing ne- next to each other in groups, built, taking responsibility for their patch of the wall, because a, a city wall is not great if it's got holes in it. You have, you, have a, you have a really impressive city wall, but you've got some parts that aren't there. Then it, that, that's not a very impressive city wall. It might look 
So you can look up from one angle at the city and think, that's great, but actually if there's gaping holes around the back, and it's not, it's not secure. So these, they're all working together. It says next to him, Malkija, or Malkija, no, I've had it. One of the goldsmiths made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants opposite the inspection gate and as far as the room above the corner. And between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. Now, what I find interesting about that is that goldsmiths don't normally make walls. See, goldsmiths deal with gold. They don't deal with bricks and mortar. And there's all sorts of other people in here. But, but, see, this is a common need that they all gave themselves to. Because it's all very well being a goldsmith, but unless you've got a secure foundations, the city to live in, you're not going to do very well. And um, so, so these goods, and so each of them actually took responsibility for building a part of, of this, this, this joint efforts. Um, and that, that speaks to me very much of, of, of church life, that actually we, you know, we have to stand side by side, building parts of church life, taking responsibility for areas. But actually sometimes you step out of what is your normal. Yeah? It's, it's not, we don't all have that, just, I'm the specialist, I only do this. You know, I, I, only, I only play music, I don't put chairs out. Hey, I'm an elder around here, you know, I live in my ivory tower. Don't, no, no, actually we all do things, which is why I love it. But actually, you know, there's, I can make a cup of tea, I can make a cup of coffee, I can put chairs out. John said, nothing should be, that sense, below us, because we're all in this together. Um, and, uh, and I love seeing the church, and honestly I love seeing how Eastgate operates like that. Um, and then it, it gets to the place, and in Nehemiah chapter 4, and verse 6, Nehemiah 4 verse 6, it says, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. Or with all their heart. So actually what happened was that they worked together and, and throughout the whole round. Because this is important that, that actually you, you, the building, it's no good actually just building one bit to the full height and another bit to no height. There has to be this cohesive sort of attitude going on. And um, as I was reading this, I thought, actually, you know what, that's, that's, almost, that's almost like we've done. Because we're going for two meetings and we've already built one. We're going for two morning meetings and we got one cracked. But that's only half the job as it currently stands. We've got another half to build, is what I'm saying. And um, so what's good, it's good. We've done well. And I wanted to celebrate. And I really do want to say thank you for everybody's contribution. We just celebrate everything that goes on. All the different bits of Eastgate is phenomenal. And I love, love seeing it. And um, and it says, with all their heart, with another, in another version it says, with enthusiasm. Do you know what the word, how, the origin of the word, word enthusiasm is? It comes from entheos, which actually means God inside. Isn't that cool? I like that. Entheos. God inside. Best way to get enthusiastic about the work of God? Is have God inside, we have, and let him flow. You're going to get enthusiastic about something? Let God flow through you. Let him, let him do something special in your heart. And, uh, and just got a couple of kids. Basically, I want people working with my grandkids who are enthusiastic, not begrudging. 
Well, don't, don't want somebody down there. <laughs> I'm only doing it because Pete said so. The leaders, the leaders coerced us into, forget it. I want them to have fun. And it should be fun. And I think, we, you know, God's, God's full of fun. Does all sorts of strange things, doesn't he? So there's that going on. <laughs> okay, then, if we go down to verse 19. Because what happened was that they, 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 again, they had a look. And although it was all built to the same level, they realized that there were some places that were more vulnerable to attack than others. And I guess that would have been due to sort of maybe the lie of the land, the topography or something like that. And they just, they, they, so they had a look and they realized that there were places that would likely to get attacked. And what happened is as they realized this, they actually, it says uh, earlier on in the passage, it says they actually worked um, one hand with a, sort of like a, their tools and another hand with, 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 a, with a sword sword or a spear. They, they were ready at the moment. They had someone who was guarding them. So they were ready to, to fend off attacks at any, any time. But this is, this is really important. It says, I explained to the nobles, <coughs> the officials and the rest of the people, that this work is extensive and spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Can we go on to the next, next verse? We'll get to the next verse. Verse 20, there we go. Um, Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So what they did was was actually that they had this signal that that if there was one area that was being attacked that was vulnerable, that that, that they would blow the trumpet and everybody would run to that area. This is the way they 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 would work. They were working on their own bits, but then every now and then, if the trumpet would blow... Boom. And, and it was actually, Nehemiah was canny. He, 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 Nehemiah looked after the trumpet. Because most of us think we need more help. It's true. It's, 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 like the, it's like the boy calling wolf. In the end, you take no notice of the trumpet if it's just being, yeah, me, help me, blah, blah, blah. So actually, and this is a principle that we've, we've, we've basically worked with, um, in the church for many, many years. We learned it many years ago that, that basically we don't blow the trumpet very often because we're happy for you to get on with building what you're building. But every now and then we say, we've got to run to this one. And I want to just say, that is what we're doing with the children's work right now. This really is a trumpet call because I, I honestly believe that unless we can look after our own children and the children come amongst us, then, then that's a major, major mistake. Obstacle. Um, you know, we, we can have the most amazing time up here. Well, I learned this early on, but basically, people used to come when we were small. They, they'd come, their kids had fun. The others would come because the kids had, had fun. They wanted to come back next week. The parents would bring them back next week. And even if they hadn't had such a good time, they'd come with them. It's true. You can have the best time you like as adults up here. If the kids aren't enjoying themselves, I'll tell you, the kids will win. It's true. It's just it's, it's, it's. so, and so I'm just saying. Well, and we need God with us because it, it's. Then it, it, it goes on. Okay. So, bear in mind how long how long has this been on track in in Nehemiah? Well, best part of a hundred years they've been trying to work this out. Okay. So, so <laughs> look at this. So if we go into chapter six, and we look at. Verse 3. Chapter 6, verse 3. So I sent messages to them with this reply. Basically, the enemy's coming along and he's trying to distract them. It says, I'm carrying on a great project 
great work and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? That's not to each other. That's actually to all the enemies are trying to pull them off. They're trying to be distraction. And what I want to sell you is this. It says we are about a great work because we're about God's work. Are you excited to be about great work? I am. I thought, what, 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 what better to do with life than, than serve God and, uh, and see him, what he alone can do? Yeah. It's absolutely phenomenal. So, so we are about great work. Then if, you get, if we go down to verse 15, it's quite specific. Verse 15 is going to come up. Okay, how long did it take them to complete the wall? 52 days. 100 years. <laughs> they sorted it out in 52 days. How? It says... Um, have you got another bit of that verse, or was it, no, was it in verse 16? Can you just see if there's another bit of that? In back. Da, 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 da. Yeah. When all enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Is God on this? Is God interested? God's inter- I tell you, God's interested. <laughs> God's on the work. And we get the privilege of working with him. And what happens when you build something that speaks of the presence of God, that this happens because God is with us? The enemies, they're put to flight. Now, we're talking about enemies who are spiritual. What we're talking about is welcoming the multitudes of people who want to come here. And I'm I'm so excited by all that's that's going on. Um, And I just wanted to say thing. I think there are two things that, that God spoke to me about, just to underline. That as we move forward, that we need to make sure that everyone takes, every one of us takes responsibility for. Um, so if you're a member of the, the, the Eastgate Church family, there are, there are two specific things I think I need you to make sure that you're... Well, number one, there's three. Be responsible for your own spiritual health. We'll help you, but that's your responsibility, just like your own physical health. But number two is actually finances. We have to do that together. And we all need to be faithful with that. And then the other one is actually what's maintaining our volunteer culture. And this is a real challenge as, as the church get, gets big. Because of, of, we do employ quite a lot of people. And it's easy to think we can just depend upon employed. You can't. So I want to say everybody who is employed here actually volunteers. And that's a really quite important. I remember chatting with Liz about this. Liz Moore does stuff. Actually, I mean, we've talked about this many times over the years, how important it is that actually we, we aren't just here because we pay. We're here because we want to, and actually we're happy to help in terms of... We want parts of, of our service to be that, that sense, which is sacrificial service, not just paid work. And um, so I believe we all, we all get to join in that. And there, there's, a, there's a verse at the end of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 24, um, where David is actually... King David is, is wanting to build, buy... Uh, it's basically some land so he can give an offering to God. And he goes to this man to say, I want to, your land, I want to buy it uh, so I can give an offering to God. And the, the guy offers to give him the land for free. He says, I, no. And you know, he says, no, you can have it. He said, the guy also says, I'll provide you know, the balls and everything for the, the offering. And uh, I remember it, it was oh, about I was 19 when I first read this. And it, it's actually been so important in my life ever since. Um, and King David's reply was this. He said, no, I will not give a sacrifice to my God that cost me nothing. 
says, I won't give him a sacrifice that costs me nothing. Why, why would we sacrifice time, energy, money? Why? Because we, we love him. And I think that's the number one. If, if, if this is about, this is devotion. It's, it's actually worship. It's sacrifice because I love him. You know, we actually do. For people you love, you sacrifice, don't you? You know, so it's amazing what children can get you doing. You'll sacrifice your dignity, <laughs> your time, your energy, your sleep, <laughs> all sorts of things. We sacrifice on the basis of love. So I want to, want to encourage you in these two areas particularly, in terms of volunteering and in terms of finance, because those are two things that, that actually are such an essential part of our culture. They're, they're foundational to who we are and what we're doing. And um, I look forward. So I want you to look out the window. Let's have a quick look. Those signs. See, what's coming down is the fences are coming down, the hoarding's coming down. And I, spoke, I felt God speak to me so specifically about that. He said, you're just entering into a new phase. Because all the time that we've been here in Eastgate since when we moved in, December 2013, we've been surrounded by hoardings. And now they're going. And you know what? We've been at the end of the road. Now we're going to be in the center. And uh, you know, in 18 months' time, the hoardings over there are going to come down. There's going to be a school there welcoming kids. And we've done well at the end of the road. We really have. But we're just about to step into a new phase, which is right at the heart of the city, which is where God said he would place us. So I'd like you to stand and we'll pray. You up for this? Good. Don't forget, see my wife on the way out. Keep her happy. That helped me, all right? Keep her... <laughs> See Joe there. <clears throat> Why don't we celebrate what God has done? Just that story of that, that, that taxi driver getting healed. Isn't that beautiful? The guy on the streets of Inverness. Telling her the goodness of God because he's no longer got pain. The man who's now on, right at this very moment on holiday in Greece with his wife who just a few weeks ago was basically facing up to the last few weeks on earth. When our kids to, to grow up in this sort of culture where this is all normal and then they can actually push on for even more. And uh, so I'm, I'm so, so excited about all that's ahead, ahead of us. So Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you have been the one who has pursued us relentlessly. You are an amazing father who delights in his children. Father, we, we say we, we love you, we appreciate you, and thank you, Jesus, that for the joy set before you, you sacrificed your own life, that we might be yours. And thank you, King Jesus, now you enjoy that joy. You enjoy us, your children, your brothers, your sisters. And Father, we pray, we pray for this church family, Lord, that would you provide for all we need. Lord, we, we, we are not just looking on our own human efforts, but right now we pray, would you break in upon us? And Father, I want you, I want you to join. Would you join with me? I want us to pray that we will get all, the, all that we need for our children. Yeah. Can you join in that prayer with me? 
God, we want all that we need for our children and all the children that will come to this place. We want them to grow up knowing your love and your kindness, your goodness. We want them to grow up to becoming world changers. Father, we thank you for all who already do such amazing work. And now we pray for your provision to be poured into Eastgate. Yes, thank you, King Jesus. Thank you. I want you to keep praying now. So just to, for your encouragement, I was just chatting to um, a lady this week um, who is actually just about to make Eastgate her home. And, she said, and I said, well, you know, how are you going to settle in? She said, well, what can I do to serve you? So I thought, oh, I said, go see Steph. <laughs> and she was just delighted, delighted, because I think there's something about helping people belong by actually just being involved and, and, and right away. So if you're new here, you're welcome. Don't, don't feel you nobody's excluded. Um, and, uh, but I just thought, yeah, let's, let's pray, because God will bring us people, okay? But also... Consider whether you're part of the answer to your own prayers. And, uh